Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Like a Bank, where we show you how to think like a bank using the same strategies and principles that banks use to help you find more financial freedom in your life. I'm your host, Sari Ibrahim. I have with us today a very special guest. His name is Josh Walewa, and he is an assistant dean for student affairs at the Brown School at Washington University in St. Louis. Uh, with a long career in student affairs and, and nonprofit industries, he has a strong belief in the transformative power of education. He also is the host of the Best Worst Thing podcast, which focuses on resilience. Josh earned his PhD in educational leadership and policy studies from the University of Missouri, St. Louis, and his MA and BMA degrees from the University of Iowa. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I wanted you on the show to talk about, you know, mindset, resilience, kind of taking the small steps first in life before jumping to the bigger steps. Uh, but before we do that, can you talk, tell us a little bit more about your background and, and, and what you're doing today? Absolutely. So thanks for the introduction. I, I started a podcast during the pandemic at some point, a little over a year and a half, almost a year and a half ago now, called The Best Worst Thing. And it was based on um, really trying to support people who are going through a hard time hearing stories of other people who are successful in a variety of industries and, and, uh, and, and finding maybe some lessons that they could take along the way. But, but my, the, how I regularly spend my time is I um, support college students um, throughout my career, both at the undergraduate and now at the graduate and professional level um, outside of the classroom. So while maybe I do teach a, cl- a few classes here and there, uh, my goal is uh, to work with college students because what we know in education is that um, most students spend a majority of their time outside of the classroom when you get to college. You spend maybe a few hours a day, maybe four or five hours a day, but then there's work, there's homework, there's leadership opportunities. And so I'm in a broader field called student affairs, where our, our goal, again, is to support students in their growth and their development and to make sure that they have the support and the challenges that they need to have a, a great, well-rounded college education and experience. Now, I mean, the only thing I also would add to that is I started my career, gosh, in 2002. I worked at Brandeis University outside of Boston in Waltham, Massachusetts, and then kind of moved to the Midwest and have spent the rest of my time working in the Midwest and just really, really enjoy working with college students. You know, when you work with thousands of people, you get to see almost every type of behavior that you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And some of them are really impressive and incredible. Some of them are you know, interesting and make you scratch your head, but uh, it's also given me a real passion for and a curiosity about just human behavior as well. So I think maybe on the side, I think that's something that I can kind of consider myself as like an armchair sociologist where I like to just understand human behaviors and motivations. And I think that really helps me in the work that I do as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And, you know, I think you're, you're right. A lot of college students would need that kind of support because um, because college is kind of like it's not just the subject matter you're learning. Like if you go to school for accounting or finance or you know economics or whatever the case is, you're not just learning that subject matter. You're also learning more about life. You're still you know a young adult. You're still um, your behavior is still developing. Um, and so you when you have this guidance, it, it helps a lot. Now your show, uh, the best worst thing, the podcast, it focuses on resilience. So what is resilience, and why did you choose to focus on resilience? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think there's probably some really good, but maybe better definitions that I can provide, but the way I would capture resilience is the ability to persist um, through challenges, uh, big and small. Um, and, 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 and what really caught my eye about this idea of resilience, you know, it's, it's the bounce back. It's, it's you know, going through a hard time and finding your way through it. And what really motivated me was I, I went through a, 
a very difficult time in my life back in, I would say between 2011 and 2013. And um, maybe it was a midlife crisis or hopefully a quarter life crisis. But um, I remember as I was kind of struggling through that, try, try, instead of figuring out the, the um, unhealthy ways to cope, I, I decided on the other end of it to find some more healthy ways to cope. And part of that was, you know, listening to people who, you know, who, who in podcasts or, you know, YouTube videos who would talk about their experiences, their successes in, in a variety of fields. And I always found myself focusing in on the area where they talked about that difficult part and how they got through that. And for me, that was really critically important at that time, because as I was struggling, I, I needed to hear stories about how do you get through um, a variety of struggles. So even if their struggles weren't exactly my story, I did find some level of, of comfort and also some some hints in there. And so when I decided to create a podcast, I thought, well, why don't, you know, why don't I make the podcast that I like to hear? And maybe other people would like to hear it as well. I mean, it's similar to when you grow up and, you know, your parent makes you peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with the wheat bread, with the, with the crust all over it. And maybe they gave you the end piece. And when you become an adult, you're like, you know, I'm going to make my own peanut butter and jelly sandwich, cut the crust off, a lot of jelly, a lot of peanut butter. Like I decided I'm going to make it the way I want to make it, right? And so uh, <laughs> to my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, uh, that's kind of what I decided to do with podcasts. I decided to make it the, in the way that I like. And so the goal was just to kind of, if people wanted to tell their story, I was going to provide a platform for them to tell their story. And my hope was that people would get something from it. And so it's, it's been really nice to, to have listeners from all over the place um, and, and even reconnect with some old friends um, who found me through the podcast as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, podcasting, um, it's, I also see on this side right here, you know, it's a great way to keep relationships also to build new relationships. Like I was on your show on episode 34, we talked about bank on yourself, which was really nice. And it's, it's kind of a cool way to meet people, especially in, you know, post pandemic um, era um, of, of networking and connecting with people. We could do it over podcasting. So, yeah. And, and I love how you bring on other people to share their stories. Now you mentioned something that that's interesting is that I think like, um, from a behavioral standpoint, when we come across problems in life, we either we, 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 we become reactive to those problems. We, we do something in response to those problems that we have. Sometimes they are healthy decisions and sometimes they're unhealthy decisions. This is kind of how we as humans believe like we're solving a problem. Um, now, what are some ways that you've seen like successfully um, people solve problems or other words, successful ways of solving problems? Absolutely. So one of the most important things is to be honest with yourself and to admit a few things, in particular, um, emotions like fear, anxiety, um, you know, stress, um, anger, whatever, anger, whatever it is. And I think that that's a, just taking some time to be, to be deeply honest about whatever it is your situation is. Because if you cannot be honest with yourself about your current situation, then there's no way that you're going to be able to resolve it. And I guarantee you, if you can't resolve it, people are not going to be interested in jumping in to support you as you get through those problems as well. People want to invest in people who are doing well. And that's just the truth, right? I know there's a lot of us out here who will definitely give to people who are struggling, who are not in a position to help themselves. But I know for sure that you have a higher likelihood of getting support if, if you are doing the work, but you have to be completely honest. So I think that's an important piece right there. Um, you know, for me, I think what, what, I, what stands out for me is, is fear, fear of failure. If I try and I make an effort, and I not fail at it. Maybe I'm destined always to be a failure. And I think that that's that's important. Fear is probably a uh, an emotion or an instinct that we have that's helped us somewhere along the lines, and it probably still helps us to this day in certain areas. But it's also overutilized. 
And, and so we pay attention to it a little bit too much. You know, fear but doing it anyways is really important. And so I think another characteristic that people need to do is, is, is to act in courage. Even if you don't necessarily see the results that you're looking for immediately, maybe you're five or 10 steps away, but they're there. I think one of the things that's really important is to do it anyway. And so I think facing your fears is super huge and super important. So I'll give you an example from a financial perspective. Um, I had an, a notorious habit of not paying electric bills, <laughs> which is odd, right? You think like, you know, a person who's an assistant dean and, you know, obviously he's, has a fairly uh, good career, but I grew up in a, in a household that was poor, right? And money was a single mother who worked multiple jobs. And so I always had fear of money. And so spending money was always scary to me. And so paying it something like paying a $27 electric bill scared, made me afraid. It scared me, frightened me. And so, you know, you do that enough months in a row, you can get a pretty good, good bill with late fees. And so there have been a couple of times in my adult life where, you know, that fear turned into lights getting turned off and me scrambling to get money together to turn it back on. So, you know, of course, you know, these are embarrassing things, but these are true. And, and as you get older and you realize, okay, I'm afraid. I have to admit that I'm afraid of money, right? So we got to address that. But right now I can do little things like when I get a $27 bill, don't even think about it, just pay it, face it. And what, what happens is when you when you face those little things, they're, they're often you know not as scary as you as you think they were. Steve Harvey says that in one of the podcasts I listen to that just, you face those monsters, they're actually not as scary as you think they are. And so acknowledging the fear and then making a commitment to face it. And so um, so I think that that's another thing is, is this courage is a really important piece for for success, both personally, financially, and otherwise. Yeah, absolutely, Josh. Um, you mentioned a couple of like really key nuggets I want to touch back on. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think we, I think a lot of our decisions are based off of fear, which could be good and bad. So like, for example, if you're avoiding the next opportunity, you're avoiding entrepreneurship, you're avoiding um, making an investment or whatever the case might be. Um, it could be a fear of failure or it could be a fear of rejection. It could be a fear of being alone. Um, all these fears, I think people um, would, would base a decision off of. But at the same time, it could also be a good way where if you if you fear that you're never if you if you fear that you're going to end up in the same place next year as you are right now, or you fear you're going to have the same job, or you fear that you are not going to get all the true things that you desire in life, then that that could be your motivation to the next level. So I I love I actually I'm a big fan of fear because it's the only thing that really triggers me. It kind of gets it, it triggers the uh the, my subconscious and gets me to react on certain things. Um, and, and that's helped me also to an entrepreneurship. So I, I love the fact you mentioned that. And it's, it's about your attitude, too, of how you're viewing it and, and how you react to. I was thinking the other day, like, if you are not reaching, um, if you want to talk about failure as well, if you're not reaching failure in your life, it probably means you're not doing things outside of your comfort zone. Comfort zone. So like you want you want that fear. You want to hear that, see that fear. You want to feel that failure, you want to get to that rejection places because it means you're striving for much bigger things than you could actually handle. But in reality, you can handle more than you could actually, than you think you can. So we're meant to reach our full potential. So I love how you mentioned that and, and definitely having the courage to do more things. Um, what I remember one time I was taking, um, I was doing my MBA and I was doing a, a finance course. And uh, the professor was saying that he, when he graduated from college, he was like a, fi a financial analyst. He was working for a company. And his first task was he had to do a five-year projection of how much the company was going to make and how much the company was going to lose. 
And during, and then he said when he did that five-year projection, year one, when they compared that to his five-year projection, it was about 80% accurate. And then year two, it was about 50% accurate. And then year three, they had to do a new five-year plan because it, was, it wasn't accurate at all. And he had to keep doing that over and over again. And then I rose my hand and he's like, let me guess what your question is. Your question is why do a five-year plan if we know it's going to be 80% accurate year one, it's going to be 50% accurate year two, and we're probably going to have to do it all over again in year three. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly my question. And he's like, because it's process over result. The homework part and the analysis part and the research part is more important than the result part. And I think if we apply that same thing in our life, like the doing part could be more important than the result. So I just thought like I wanted to just share that, connect that. What do you think about that part? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think you're, you're right. So in my previous um, role here, I worked in helping students secure careers and, and career opportunities. And um, I, I do think that people do get focused on the outcomes and, and, and don't fall in love enough with the process. And so um, what I would try to instill with, with the, the graduate students who are look, moving on to careers that where they're going to do really cool things was, you know, they would get caught up in the idea of if I apply for this many jobs and don't get an interview, that's the problem. And what I try to get them to fall in love with is that the practice of filling out applications, networking, developing a better resume or cover letter, just falling in love with that process. It's almost like not falling in love with the game, but falling in love with the practice. Right? The game, the outcome is going to be what it's going to be. But the process that you go through is really important. And that really changes your mindset because if you're not so fixated on the outcome, no matter what, you're going to probably be in a better place, but you're going to have some of those skills, those habits, those, those, those uh, routines that are needed for success. And so, um, so that I, I totally agree with that. And I, I want to go back to kind of something you said about fear. I, I do think fear has, is a great motivator. I, like, you know, fear and failure, like in, in athletics or even in working out, oftentimes in order to, you know, you've heard this a thousand times, people, listeners have heard this a thousand times, to build muscle, you have to go to failure. Like that's one of the techniques and strategies because what happens is your body adapts, it builds, and it comes back even stronger. And life is in, in a very similar way is the same way. You go through a failure, but you don't look at it as a bad thing. You look at it as a learning opportunity. You figure out what works. Most scientists look for failure as a way of cutting out the things that don't work and getting closer to their goals. So failure is sometimes is something that people strive for. And in boxing, fighting, fighting scared, fighting with fear, if your instinct when someone's swinging at you is to be blocked and to be able to, to jab back, that's a pretty awesome instinct versus running or ducking or, or shrinking up. And so I think, you know, using that fear as a motivation, I think is really important. I, used to, I remember when I was big time into to working out, that's the one thing, whenever I I'd had a big lift ahead of me, I would always say, fight scared, fight scared, fight scared. I love the idea of, like, I'm afraid of, I'm going to do this thing, but I'm going to do it anyway. And if I fail, you know, next week I probably will get it or the week after I probably will get it, but I'm going to fight to it no matter what. That used to always be kind of like a, a self-talk motivator, fight scared, fight scared, fight scared. And so fear can be a really awesome motivator as well. So I, I really like all three of those concepts that you just shared. You said it better than me. You know, you want to fall in love with the process for sure. It's the doing part that's more important. And, and, I, and you're right. I do see that a lot of times with like, um, especially people that are just graduating college where like they want to apply for like that one job and they want to almost guarantee they're going to get that job because they don't want to get a rejection letter. And when you have that mentality that actually holds you back, it doesn't help you, it actually holds you back. You want those rejection letters because that's an indication that you're doing more than, you're, than, than you think you're doing. Um, 
of course you want to actually land the job. You want to land those opportunities, but you, the, the doing part and the process part is more important. Like you said, than than just expecting only the result. Um, you're more likely to get the results you want from more actions. Um, and another thing too, is, you know, Muhammad Ali said, like somebody asked Muhammad Ali one time, like how many, I forgot what it was. It was like, how many reps do you do? Or how many sets do you do? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I only start counting when I feel pain because that's when you actually grow. Everything before that is kind of irrelevant when you work out, but when you have that pain, that's when he starts counting. So I love that. And I think that you could apply that in in sports and working out as well as in the real world too, like in business, like when it starts hurting, that's when you should start counting. That's when you should start looking for the results is when it starts hurting because that's where the results are going to come from. You know, Um, another thing too, that I like how you mentioned is that like, um, scientists, you know, we, they, they do things that are beyond, um, their reach. So they, they're looking for failures they're looking for problems. And the same is true with like, for example, when you look at like Google or Apple or Samsung, like all the projects they have, like when we're holding an iPhone 10 or 11 in our hand or a Samsung or a laptop or whatever the case is, that could have been just one out of a thousand projects that made it through the boardroom and made it through the project management office and made it actually into the marketplace. Before that, there was probably thousands of failures projects and ideas that didn't make it across, but that was fine. That was worth it for these large companies to go through all that data, all that practice to get to that one device that's actually going to make it into the marketplace. Absolutely. I mean, I I think that's, you know, if if people can start to reframe how they approach their careers and their lives and start looking, not, not being afraid of those, those missteps and really looking at those as building blocks, like you're going to, you're, you're building your success off of of, of a mountain of failure. Right. And it's, you know, you know, a lot of kids will see their parents in their 50s with a nice house and say, like, and, and think, wow, you know, my parents always had it easy and, and not see, again, the, the ramen noodles in college and the, or the not being able to go to college and having to start at an mm-hmm. office and deliver mail and slowly working your way and grinding your way up to the top to eventually have financial um, satisfaction and, and health for your family. Um, and so I get that, you know, that, but for those of us who want to be successful, we know that. You know, we should be look forward to those ideas and, and maybe look at it more as a, as a good sign um, that something um, that that's that you've learned something and that you're going to build off of it. And you're going to grow towards something even better, which is which is a super, super cool aspect of life if you're willing to frame it that way. And it, it, it takes a mental work. So this is the, that's the other piece about like slowing down to as well is, um, you know, it's easy to read a book or listen to a motivational speaker or and say, like, OK, I'm going to hard charge through the door. I know that. Failure is good. I know that courage is important. I know that fear is good, um, but we don't change overnight. And so the only thing I would encourage people to do is to just really have small goals early, right? Just little small wins are so important. You know, for me, it was like, okay, every morning I'm going to at least listen to the same music mix. Like that was it. If I could do that, you know, things would get a little bit better. And then after that, maybe I added a 20 minute walk or a 30 minute run. And after the, and after I did that for several weeks, maybe six weeks, then I started adding other things that were positive, like listening to content that was actually helpful from a financial perspective or a success perspective. And then after that, you know, so and so just like slowly building on new habits that are towards going towards your success. And at the same time, I would say also eliminating things that are not in line with your goals, right? If your goal is to have a million dollars, if your goal is to be a CEO, if your goal is to get your degree or to, you know, to find a job in the first place, anything that you are doing that does not align with your goal, it may be worth considering eliminating. So starting small with little habits in the direction you want to go to, and immediately, as quickly as possible, eliminating things that don't line up. I'll give you a really strange example. 
maybe it's a it's, it's a little too much information, but so it's it's public in my podcast that you know I've I, I went through that that stage that was a little too raucous and and dangerous for me and. And I remember when I kind of found myself kind of, it's not linear, right? You got some moments of success and then you have some setbacks. But when you look at the setback moment, you're still way ahead of your low points. And so I remember I was at one of those moments where I was having a little bit of success. And, you know, and I remember a friend offered me some drugs. And I remember, you know, I, I, was, a person, I was a dabbler. I would never say that I was good at drugs. Maybe that's a good thing. But, um, and I remember thinking, I'm making all the decisions I'm making are in line with my goals and my success. How does this offer align with my success? And I remember saying no. And he was like, really, you're not going to do this. And I was like, no. How does that align with where I'm going? You know, and, and that's kind of an extreme example. But, you know, it could be like if, you, if you're trying to lose 10 pounds. And I know for the most part, you, you eat fairly clean. And you have your cheat day where you can have all the pizza and ice cream that you want. But, you know, maybe there's a Tuesday opportunity where you have a candy bar. And then on Wednesday, there's a party and there's an opportunity to have a cheese pizza or to have a, a salad with, you know, grilled chicken or, or artichokes, whatever you like. And at that point, you have to think, is, does this align with my goal, right? I have my cheat day already. Does this really align with my goal? Um, and, it, and if it doesn't, maybe I, I turn it away. Now, if you do slip, that's okay. Just get back after it. That's what most people will tell you when it comes to health, right? If you mm-hmm. do slip your finances, you make a mistake. Keep going, right? Get back on top of it. But I would always ask that question of one. I love it. Uh, and, and back to boxing, um, so, you know, with small steps, like, so I remember one time, so I also do boxing too. Um, I do boxing, kickboxing, jujitsu. Um, and I, one time there was a trainer at the gym and he was holding pads for me and he was like, um, uh, jab cross. And then I'm going to throw uh, a jab at you. And then you slip to your right to get out of the way. So he, I did that. And then I went too far and he's like, he's like, look, boxing is a game of inches, not miles. If you don't move out of the way, you'll get punched in the face. If you move too far out of the way, you won't be able to counter and you'll be in a worse situation. So you want to be kind of in a balanced way. It's a game of inches, not miles. And I think the same is true in business and life and successes. It's a game of inches. It's the small, tiny steps that you that move you in the right direction, not necessarily trying to change your entire life overnight because you can't do that. You can't change your entire life overnight. It's those inches that matter more. And, and definitely, and you, and I love how you said, like, you want to align, you want to do things that are aligned with your goals. So like, this is where, since the show is called thinking like a bank, like one thing that banks do, like when you go and apply for a loan is they have a set criteria of things that they look for already. Like, for example, we only do real estate in the state of Illinois, in the Chicagoland area that are houses between 200,000 and 400,000. And that are, you know, borrowers that have a 650 to 800 credit score and are only going to put a 20% down. And that's it. Everything else, all other business opportunities that come their way that don't fit all those criteria, they completely exclude it. And that's what the bank is doing most of the time. 90% of the time, they're denying loans because they don't fit within their criteria. So I think if we have that same thinking process where like, for example, if your goal is to be a multimillionaire author, whatever the case is, you have a set criteria. Like I have to get my PhD. I have to write these publications, articles. I have to do reach a net worth of $1 million by this day. Everything else that doesn't help those things should just be automatically excluded. And successful people from what I'm noticing dealing with a lot of successful clients is that they say no more than they say yes. So they're constantly excluding things and they're only taking certain things that fit their criteria, that fit their priorities. So one way to help that is identify your priorities, break them down and make a list. And I do this every single day around seven o'clock in the morning. I list my priorities. So this way I could subconsciously exclude other things that don't fit that. 
That way I'm aligned with my goals and I'm not chasing shiny objects. I'm not steering off track. I'm not changing my mind. I'm sticking to, sticking to what I know and what I'm, what I'm on track to do. That's right. Absolutely. And I think that's, I think, you know, that you have a, a daily routine of doing that. That's, you know, for me, I, I, I put everything on my calendar because that's kind of what <laughs> on, 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 on task with things. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I think again, listen to you, you listen to me and, and folks, if you listen to anybody out there, I mean, there's hints out there. People are telling you the maps, the roadmaps for success. It's, it's not too difficult to find if you're, if you're willing to listen, including the things that you just shared right now. Um, little things like having a plan and, and making sure that is in alignment. Um, again, cutting out things that are not in alignment with what you're interested in, where, where, you're, where you're going. The bank example is a perfect example of, you know, what's outside of, of your criteria that you're looking for. I mean, and again, you can apply this, I mean, you can apply this to data. You can apply this to a lot of everything. Yeah. Maybe you don't want a data smoker. That's health is important to you, right? Like, yeah, just yeah. simple. Okay, I mean, at least you have that criteria, right? That you're working with. Um, so, you know, I think you know, I think what you said is is right on. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And Josh, it's been awesome talking to you. I love our our conversation. I want to do this again, hopefully, on another episode of this of this podcast. Uh, how can listeners reach out to you and learn more about you and connect with you? Yeah, I think through the podcast would probably be the best. Um, on Instagram, we're at Best Worst Thing Podcast. Um, online, we're www.bestworstthingpodcast.com. And you can always email me directly at jw at bestworstthingpodcast.com. Awesome, Josh. Thank you so much. Um, looking forward to reconnecting. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, next time for sure. To learn more about what we do and how we can help you grow more wealth, please visit www.finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.